0: Good afternoon, I'm Dr. James Smith Jr. and welcome to another edition of The Dr. James Show. Now I know each week we always say, we got a show for you. Yeah, we do, we we have a great one. I'm chomping at the bit to to get started, especially because I've known our guests for over 30 years. So we're gonna do our best to compact 30 years in 60 minutes, we'll see. I'm gonna bring out my co-pilot for this flight, as usual, I call her my Shannon shot cuz she brings the juice, the energy to the show. Shannon, good afternoon.
1: Good afternoon. Week 3 of the new year.
0: <laughs> so so far so good for you?
1: I in love. Just when you think it can't get any better, it just continues to build. I'm just learning so much, Dr. James. So I hope I hope our viewers are as well, taking notes, re-watching, participating. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, this is your opportunity, one-on-one with guests where you can share your comments, ask your questions. This is the platform for it, of all things with folks who are subject matter experts in what they do. And and we have an opportunity for an hour with them to just absorb and participate because it is a very interactive show, Dr. James, which I love.
0: And I know you always do your research on our guests. So why are you particularly excited about our guest for today?
1: Loves his community, serves in his community, not only from academics, career perspective, um, church, uh, the list goes on and on. I don't even think we could fit it all in. We'll never get to interview them.
0: <laughs> well, we're gonna do our best right now. I'm gonna bring our guest out. Like I said, I've known Mike Robinson for over 30 years. And usually when I bring a guest out, I share a litany of their accomplishments, titles, things they've done. I'm just going to say, I'm introducing my brother, Mike Robinson. How are you? How are you, man?
2: How are you, Doc? Now, should I call you Doc or Jim? I'll,
0: <laughs> I'll you
2: Doc since we're, we're in a formal setting.
0: <laughs> looking good like the bow tie, the nice suit. Looking good, man. And,
2: and I took a bath today.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you took a bath. <laughs> Mike, typically when we start the show, we uh we take people back and then we work up to now. I'm not going to do that. We're going to start now. We're going to start now. What's happening in your life personally or professionally that's taking your time taking your mind taking your spirit what's happening in your life
2: um my my main focus right now is um, twofold I, mm-hmm. I have a focus right now split between my day job which is working at temple University as director of community outreach and hiring uh, for the Lenfest North Philadelphia workforce initiative
0: as you can as you continue to share that I just want to let you know on the screen we got a Beautiful, handsome picture of you right now that (laughs) our our viewers can see. But your day job, you're at Temple, what does that entail?
2: Um, It entails helping people that are unemployed find work. It entails helping those that are employed who are looking to develop a, a deeper professional cutting edge to their professionalism and leadership on the job, where I facilitate leadership workshops, professional development workshops in that regard. Um, And I also facilitate workshops, uh, professional development workshops for community organizations and local companies that like to take their their employees through some professional development or leadership development training.
0: In that role, what have you learned? Surprises, I'm sure there are a number of challenges and you get a chance to meet so many people, but what's your... What makes you smile about that job? And what makes you go, hmm, about that job?
2: Well, helping people find work, it, it literally changes the landscape of their life. Um, when people are employed, uh, they can put a roof over their head. They can put food in their belly. They can put clothes in their back. Um, it provides for the bare necessities of life. And when you can help people you know, secure employment, uh, it, it, it not only, is a benevolent thing, but it it also economically helps out the community. When I was one of the HR directors here at Temple University, we had a mission um, to hire from the North Philadelphia area to make that a high priority. Sure. That North Philadelphia is probably one of the highest impoverished areas of the city. We were very successful, my team and I, uh, to ratchet up our recruitment to the tune of Uh, 12%, close to 12%, we're we're a little over 11% of our entire workforce uh, here at Temple University main campus were hired from our North Philadelphia uh, surrounding community. And that equated to a $50 uh, million, I think it was 50 or $55 million boom to the community in annual cumulative income. So we were making a serious dent in the North Philadelphia community in terms of our hiring and in terms of our economic impact. And that's what really gets my juices flowing when I'm able to change the financial and economic landscape of someone's life for the better.
0: And you know too, Mike, some people thought that by coming to 2020, things are gonna change just like that just because it's a new year. Not realizing that there's some heavy lifting to do our lives don't change just because the calendar year does. You want to speak to that a little bit?
2: Yeah, we, we got to make adjustments. And I think the key to living, successful living, is to be adaptable. You have to adapt to change. Nobody expected the year 2020, what unfolded, the, 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 the pandemic, the social distancing, the business closures, the, the millions and millions and millions of people that were laid off and unemployed it it was just a perfect storm of multiple catastrophes and yet nobody could have ever predicted you know the crescendo of chaos that occurred in, in in 2020 but companies that were able to you know adapt quickly and were nimble in shifting people at home to work and setting folks up remotely and doing those kinds of pivots to stay cutting edge in how they, you know, deliver their services and products. They were the ones that, you know, were ahead of the curve. And those that kind of, you know, scratched the head and just stayed stagnant, you know, didn't, And, and, and we see the fallout. Those that were able to pivot early, you know, survived for the most part and those that didn't, you know, Sadly, many of them fell by the wayside. We have um, small businesses and, and some mid-sized businesses that, that aren't coming back. Um, they, they fell by the wayside in 2020, and they're not coming back. Wow.
0: wow. Bro, you've been pivoting and persevering all your life. And the theme of our, our interview today is gonna to be one around perseverance. I do want to talk about your backstory now and go back to uh, yesterday's. Uh, born and raised in Chester. Actually, my, my Born in Baltimore. In Baltimore. Thank you, Baltimore.
2: Raised <laughs> in Chester. Born in Baltimore.
0: Okay. I, I, I didn't know about Baltimore. Thank you. Thank you. And the Chester connection is, of course, I went to undergrad in Chester, Widener University. But can you talk about what it was like growing up Public housing, the city of Chester, and how you learned to persevere at that point. And as you're talking in the beginning, we're going to show a little bit of
2: little Mike <laughs> back then,
0: and then Mike with the waves. There's a I'm getting sea I'm getting seasick I'm getting seasick looking at all those waves. <laughs> so can you take us back? Take us back.
2: To, yeah, back then. Um. You know, growing up in, in Chester, I had I, I really had a good childhood existence, but I hated the poverty condition that I grew up in. Had a fun childhood. Had some friends that were great. had had a good supportive community that was great, even though I lived in one of the most violent public housing projects in the city. Um, the the close knit uh, neighborhood connection was there. Uh, people looked out for one another. The adults looked out for each other's kids and you know we we just had a fun childhood but i hated the poverty and i hated the violence um, that i grew up in but you know talking about adaptability adaptability and perseverance yeah to adapt to that environment quickly or you succumb to that environment and for me um it was a matter of being motivated to move beyond that condition. Like, I know what poverty feels like. I know what rats and roaches, um, that whole coexistence. Let's, let's, let's go
0: deeper on that. What was that like? Just to say, I know what it's like. Some people don't know what it's like. Can you? Uh,
2: well, yeah. It, yeah. You, you know, you, you live in a home that's clean. You live in a home where your mother works hard. My mother was on public assistance because she was disabled. Um, She, you know, eventually developed a disability. Um, She had a nervous breakdown at one point. Um, And so long story short, she was a successful um, hairstylist, licensed hairstylist. And um, when we fell on hard times, um, she was, you know, one of those moms that, you know, really loved on her kids, um, sacrificed her all to make sure her kids always had better than what she had. Um, so she put us in programs to prepare us for college, like the Swarthmore College Upward Bound Program. Um, yeah. You know, growing up in poverty, you know, for me at least, it, it really depressed me and angered me to the point that, you know, a couple of times I was thinking about suicide because I really hated my poverty condition like that. Sure. Even I had an extremely supportive family base, an extremely supportive Um, friendship circle of close, you know, people that I I grew up with. Um, I just hated that condition because, you know, going to school, seeing other kids who had the nice gear, who lived in, you know, single homes and, you know, vacation, you know, in in nice places, you know, that, that bothered my psyche. you're, You're playing alongside of these folks in sports and, you're you're in various programs with these other kids, and they got the brand name labels, and you don't. You know you got the cuffs, the hand-me-down cuffs from the local mission. You know, and your cuffs are about like that big. <laughs> not 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 the, the not standard the inch cuffs. The cuffs are like you know that
0: big cement brick, cement brick cuffs. <laughs>
2: and so as you grow, you know they they could take the hem out. So that it could grow with your pants. And so, you know, you you, you you know, psychologically for me at least, you know, I I I hated every moment of my poverty condition. Although I had a very fun childhood. I had like my friends were like Eddie Murphy-esque. They were like, you know, Richard Pryor-esque, you know. Yes, I, yes. I, I, I had that kind of crew growing up. So it was laughs all the time. And then you had the thugs that, you know, had character to themselves. You know, you know, when you saw them beating somebody down, I know it sounds warped.
0: No, no. Yeah.
2: But it was funny watching them punch somebody out and and you grew up in that. And that's that, you know, that was inner city, you know, the concrete jungle living for Mike Robinson. And, you know, growing up around a lot of street thugs, drug dealers folks that were alleged murderers and, you know, you grow up around that kind of element, you, you you develop a rough edge for yourself because that's the environment you're in and you can't be punkish living in that kind of environment. Otherwise, you're in for day-to-day, you know, beat-up routines, you know, because you can't be soft in an no. environment like that.
0: No, no, not yeah. at all.
2: Growing up like that, it it made me persevere to want to do better to get out of that condition. Oh,
0: oh, Shannon, can can you can you relate it all to that?
1: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know if it's unfortunately or fortunately, but yes, I can. But, but know what I love that you're able to leverage your situation to become more perseverance within your whole life, I imagine. So yes. then it just becomes a building block of being able to. So I, I like to believe that sometimes when folks don't experience some of the things that you've experienced, they become an adult or, or older youth and something hits them and they don't know how to manage through crisis. So um, sometimes there's a lot of blessing in our cur- cursing, right? <laughs> and
2: and I tell And I tell my children like, we, we have a nice home. We live in a nice neighborhood. And, you know, we, we have creature comforts that I never had growing up. And they benefit from that. They're, they go to a nationally ranked private school. Um, I work for a nationally, internationally known school. And I've had, you know, some decent amount of success in my life. Now, I say all that to say this I tell my kids, you don't know what daddy had to go through. For this kind of life to come to fruition for all of us, because um, all they know is what they see now—the yeah. the, the comfort of living now, the comfort of going great. to a great school and having virtually everything that they want right now. But you know, I take them back every so often to where I grew up to let them know where Daddy came from, and uh, you know, I don't I, yeah. I'm not ashamed of how I came up because if not for that upbringing, I don't think I would have persevered as hard as I I, I did over my lifetime. And and I'm kind of glad that I had that upbringing because I can dance in both worlds. I can talk to the guy that's on the corner. Who's a hustler um, because my church is located right in the heart of North Philadelphia, right in the heart of one of the highest crime sections of the city. But the people in my neighborhood, in my church neighborhood, love me, and uh, because we reach out, and I, I know them because I am them. Mm. You know, sometimes they have a hard time relating to me, and I don't even wear suits anymore. When I first started pastoring, I used to wear suits all the time. It's rare that I wear suits to my church anymore because that's not my community. That's that's not my base. My base is jeans and 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 and, and you know casual wear so that's how i that's how i preach most often I, I do wear suits every now and then but i try to relate to my church community in the way that i'm i'm naturally fitted which is to you know be casual
0: that's good
1: well, clearly oh, yes. you have a passion and <laughs> a heart community. Um, I mean, clearly, you have a heart and a passion for your community, and it brings me to my question about. I mean, you 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 know you're the director of community outreach and hiring, and you're giving back to your community. But my question is, how do you you know how do you identify local talent?
2: We we collaborate a lot with community organizations that are doing great work, that are doing the heavy lifting of working with unemployed individuals, trying to transition them into programs that will help them uh, yield employment at the end programs in the community, like Congresso. Um, We work with uh, the uh, Hanikman Learning Center, uh, not far actually from my church, Urban League. Uh, We work with them. We work with OIC. Um, So we work and collaborate with community organizations that are doing the work, 1199C, that are working with unemployed folks, where we augment what they're doing and we partner with them. And so they may be doing some things that we're not, and we may be doing some things that they're not doing. So we collaborate with our resources and our our talents and our treasure to see how we can come together um, in, 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 in great synergy to make an even greater impact. Because my belief is through collaboration, you can make greater impact than working from your own individual silos. Yes.
0: So that's, good. that's good. Thank you. Thank you, Shannon. Mike, did that same fire continue through Clarion University and into corporate? Can you, can you walk us through a little bit? Man, how
2: when how I went to same? Clarion University, <laughs> I came from my, my, my K-12 through 12 education was 99% African-American. We had white students all through the Chester Upland School District, but it was a predominantly African-American school system. When I uh, graduated from high school and matriculated to Clarion as an undergrad, that was a culture shock because Clarion was uh, predominantly white. When at the time, um, I think they had maybe 200 Blacks on campus, six thousand total students. Wow, two hundred blacks, maybe three hundred, at the time when I was attending. So it was it was like having a few raisins in a large bowl of rice. Let, let, let's let's
0: stay in those raisins and rice. <laughs> Tell us about something that happened early on. Where you said, "Oh my,
2: oh, okay. yeah. Clarion was the best undergrad experience." I had I pledged Kappa. I was very active with the um, on-campus radio station. Uh, back then you had to earn a federal communications, federal um, uh, a communications license to be on the radio. And I did that as an undergrad and I was an active writer for the campus paper. So I had a a marvelous and, and wonderful and an abundant um, undergrad experience that, that I will always celebrate but that was also the first time I was ever called the N word um, right. by you know, some individuals um, up at that university. And you, know, that, that, you, know, you read about how our forefathers and our great grandparents had to go through you know, ordeals of, of Jim Crow living and, and, and the racial divide that was really extreme during their era. And you heard how, you know, they would be rit- routinely called the N-word. Um, when I was first called that um, by um, one of the locals, I think it was either a local kid or, or maybe one of the uh, college. Matter of fact, it was one of the football players. It was one of the football players at the, at the uh, school. Um, and I was about to get into it with them, And then one of the guys recognized me and said, that's Kenny Ivey's buddy. And Kenny Ivey was a friend of mine. He was an Alpha, a member of Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity. And Kenny Ivey was a star football player. And one of the guys recognized that, I, you know, Kenny Ivey and I hung together. I said, that's one of Kenny Ivey's buddies. And the guy immediately backed down because those guys were tall and beefy. But I was ready to get into it with him because, you know, to hear that, it, it just did something to my spirit. Oh. Um, it just brought back all this primal anger and this, this remembrance of the hatred and the vitriol that a lot of our forefathers had to go through, and I never had to experience that ever in my life. And I'm a product of the '60s, and to have somebody young like that say that to me—that's kind of like peer age group. I, you know, I just wasn't having that. And um, thankfully, you know, um, it didn't go as as it could have gone but many of
0: our experiences parallel i too uh went to a predominantly all-white school and had those experiences as well but you again persevered how would how would you define perseverance
2: perseverance is nothing more than this tenacious persistence to move forward in a positive direction now a lot of people don't have that in them because some people When they come up against something extremely negative, extremely chaotic, um, extremely tumultuous, it can, can, you know, make them stand stagnant and not move forward because they're they're traumatized and, and, and so focused on the problem or the setback that they're paralyzed. They can't move forward for whatever reason. But those people who have found um, a way to persevere in their very being, they have this innate ability to draw on persistence to power them forward. And that's a common trait among successful people. And I do a lot of reading and and I read, um, um, I like reading biographies. And one of the guys that interests me in life was this guy named Stephen Covey, and he wrote the... The the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he speaks to this. So Covey talked about persistence, basically, in in, in his Seven Habits. When you think about his Seven Habits, it's basically about changing behavior to be persistent even through hard times. And, And perseverance is a quality trait that transcends professional realms as well as personal realms of living. And so if somebody... Can just grab hold of of this character trait that's so vital to the success of you as a professional and you as a person, to jettison you forward through the most tumultuous times. You'll do well in life. Mm. A lot of people just don't have it. Um, I you know I, I told you I do a lot of reading. Um, Henry Ford um, was bankrupt five times before he founded the the, the successful highly successful. Ford Motor Company. Harlan Davis Sanders was rejected over a thousand times by uh, by, by different restaurants. Look, a thousand restaurants turned Colonel Sanders down before he became successful with his chicken recipe. Walt Disney was, was rejected by the Kansas City Star newspaper as an illustrator because they said he had no imagination. Mm. And his company years later, after he became hugely successful, bought out that same paper.
0: You just you just, helped, you just helped me out with something because one of Walt Disney's favorite quotes is imagination is more important than knowledge. But now I Oh my I, gosh, I get it.
2: And and they said he didn't have an imagination. Einstein didn't walk until he was four. He didn't speak mm. until he was seven. And then David Pelzer, one of the greatest inspirations for me, because talk about perseverance, this guy in California history, I want you to understand the gravity of this. He had the worst case of child abuse on California record in their history of documenting child abuse. His mother tortured him every day as a child. His mother starved him every day as a child. His mother physically abused him every day of his childhood. Now, if there was somebody that that should have grown up maladjusted and crazy, it should have been him. But But when he was finally rescued, I think he was in his teens when he was finally rescued out of child abuse. But when he was finally rescued, he graduated high school, went into this military, became successful in the military as a refueling pilot of fighter jets, and left, became a writer, wrote his story, his autobiography. It became a number one bestseller. And he became a social worker and went on a speaking circuit. Now he's a multi-millionaire, uh, a, a multi um, um, uh, several time over bestselling author. But came from a tumultuous, a, a hellish background and persevered through that. Persevere and these are just examples of individuals who have that common trait to persevere in spite of what's in front of you. You've got to be persistent.
0: Shannon, Shannon, Shannon! Mike is on fire. Mike is on fire. <laughs> I'm, just googling,
1: I'm just googling when his his services are on Sunday. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm, just, I'm getting fed over here.
0: Eleven o'clock. 11. I'm not
1: even eating lunch today. I'm already full. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Mike, the chat room is 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 lighting up. Exceptional <laughs> panelist. Oh, and we got Demetrica, who lovingly says, "Mike is just a fool." Laugh out loud. And- <laughs>
2: I love Demetrica. Lovingly says. I just love her. She is amazing.
1: And That's then we've the got who says, judge. Clarion, hey, Mike, I love you. And we've got perseverance. We've got shout out to Inroads. Inroads was great. Absolutely love, proud, you know, <laughs> in spite of. So we've got some shout outs there for you. But um, I'm sure Dr. James is wondering this and I'm wondering this now because we, we've heard about the past and we've heard about these individuals. But let me know how you persevered or what? What? what is something you persevered in this crazy 2020 we just overcame?
2: Um, let, let me um, do a throwback and then bring it forward.
1: Okay. You go, you're going VHS
0: style. Go back and then play, <laughs> go back and then
1: play. Oh, he's gonna be, be kind and rewind. Go ahead, Mike.
2: One of the greatest um, organizations I work for and, and I'm not just saying this because Jim, you know, brother worked there and Jim was a vital trainer for us when, when I worked at Inroads. But Inroads, as much as I poured into the um, top students that we work with to make them, you know, the best that they could be, I actually learned so many life lessons on my own from that organization. Now, I'll throw it forward. Some of the greatest things that I've learned from Inroads. roads is that you cannot let personal or professional barriers stop you from moving forward. You gotta have a game plan. You have to have a game plan because if you don't game plan for life, life has a plan for you (laughs) already, it's called failure. So if you don't plan to succeed, you're planning to to fail. And so for me, um, one of the things that I learned from inroads is to learn from your mistakes and pivot quickly. I'll give you an example. One of the companies that I had back then, it was, a, I think it was AT&T. Um, I think it was AT&T. I think that was the account. Um, but it was one of the accounts I had. It was a big time company because En-ROADS only worked with like Fortune 500 level uh, clients. And I was doing a great job of placement of my interns and alumni with these companies. And one particular company took me out for lunch to kind of reward me um, as, as a thank you for the great work that I was doing. And remember, I came up from the projects. I was a hood, you know, I was a kid from the hood. Good times. My very first business lunch. Now I'm polished, I got the, you know, suit on, I'm corporate dapper, you know, I'm in and out of the boardroom training and meeting with senior level officials on a daily basis. But my very first business lunch that I went out to, um, the waiter came over, it was about several of the company guests sitting with me and we're all laughing it up, yucking it up, having a good time. And the waiter came over and said, sir, would you like to order uh, your entree now? And I I looked up to the waiter and they said, no, I'll wait until it's time to order the the, the main course. (laughs) And the table, you, you can hear a pin drop. Yeah. These, these white gentlemen and these white women that were sitting with me in this swanky, nice five-star restaurant, you can hear a, pill, a, a pin drop at my at my, my table. And then our host leaned over and said, Mike, the entree is the main course. I was so embarrassed in that moment. And this is an in staff person that's training the younger people on social graces who didn't know that because that wasn't in my history. I didn't have parents that were white collar uh, uh, professionals. I didn't have anybody mentoring and grooming me like a Jim Smith. And even though Enrose had hired me because of my successful background, I was missing some pieces professionally in my own right. And I took myself, I didn't allow that to stop me. I took myself out um, to Four Seasons that following week. Some of y'all in Philadelphia know about Four Seasons. It's one of the top restaurants in the city. And I paid the waiter a $20 tip up front. I said, teach me the graces of fine dining. And I learned that from that ordeal, from that, that catastrophic lunch date with my business professional. And I was never invited back ever by that company again. And it was because of that one mistake that was costly. But I pivoted and learned from the mistake. I didn't allow that mistake to keep me stagnated in that failure. And so one of the things I learned early from my foundation with Inroads is to punch through failure. Don't allow stumbling blocks on the job or stumbling blocks that will rise up unexpectedly in your personal life to stop you from moving forward. You got to have this tenacious, zealous spirit that I'm going to punch through no matter how tough the adversity is. Otherwise, you're going to be mediocre. Otherwise, you're going to be relegated to the mundane. And I don't want to be mundane because I'm not a mundane guy. I'm interesting. <laughs>
0: so, so what I'm like, what I'm hearing is 2020 <laughs> for you was a year of punching through.
2: A That's brother.
0: Through. Got it. Absolutely. Shannon, thank you. Mike, there's there's a book in what you just said that I'm going to encourage you to write. And the title <laughs> of the book is The Dessert is the entree. The entree, <laughs> or the entree, is the main meal. That's right. The entree is the main meal because from that mishap, look what ha- look what has happened. Yes. So the, the book the could be on about that circumstance that happens, and what do you do with the circumstance? the main co- the entree is the main course. Love absolutely. It. Love it. Why is it so, so important now, Mike? Now to persevere, twenty twenty one. I, I,
2: look, I look back at um, some of the failures that did grip me and kept me stagnant at, at one time. Mm-hmm. I had to punch through it. I had to punch through um, alcoholism. I had to punch through drug addiction. I had to punch through being somebody who was um, not as faithful um, as I am now. I was you know, so influenced by a lot of the males in my family who uh, many of them weren't you know, as faithful as they should have been. I was influenced by a lot of, um, just a lot of stuff that you know, um, a kid growing up in an urban environment is influenced by, that is held up as the standard of being a guy, and and if you aren't careful, you can fall into the trap of what false malehood, of what fa- false maleness and false manhood looks like, and I fell into that trap. You know the drugs the. The women and the alcoholism. Um, that gripped me um, at one point in my life, and I had to punch through that. And, and it was during those those dark hours of my life, um, those years where I was into that, um, where there was a lot of failure and a lot of mistakes and a lot of good people who stepped off away from my life because they didn't want to be contaminated by the, 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 the downside of what I brought, you know, with the energy of what comes with alcoholism and drug addiction and and all of that. Um, And so I I have reasons for wanting to keep persevering um, and not staying stagnant in failure or stagnant in great loss. Um, 2020, I've seen people, I've I've seen at least 12 people in my church, in my family, or in my friendship circle die of COVID-related deaths. Minimum 12. Minimum 12. And I had to personally preach and bury um, some of those individuals. And so these were individuals, some of them, that were very close to me. And uh, it it was a tough year. But again, I know what it's like to stay stagnant in a a condition that's not conducive to your health. And so for many reasons, um, when I experience a setback i punched through because i don't want to be stagnant i'm not a stagnant guy and i said jokingly that you know i'm an interesting person and 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 i if i said jokingly but i am because there's nothing boring about my life the bible says that we all should live life abundantly and because god wants us to live life and have it more abundantly and that doesn't sound boring to me that's why i do as much as I can with the life that I have. and I,
0: I'm going to push you a little bit on that because one of my least favorite words that is overused is the word interesting because it's ambiguous. You say you're interesting. What does that mean? And to know you for the 30 years that I've known you, oh, you're bigger than interesting.
2: I say, you are, interesting. I, I say interesting and I define it this way. And I'm not yeah. saying it as a braggart. But I'm saying that every person on earth should be socially conscious and socially yeah. conscious. Socially conscious and making connections with other people and not living off on an island to yourself because none of us can be successful unless we have other people to help us get to where we need to be. Nobody can do life alone. Nobody can do life alone.
0: When I think of Mike Robinson, I think of socially conscious. I think of powerful. I think of groundbreaking, breakthrough, get out of his way. Interesting doesn't make my list. I call it like I see it. And I see a guy who hasn't run for mayor yet of the city. I'm just waiting. When are you going to be Mayor Mike Robinson? Because you know everybody, everybody loves you, and you get things done.
2: Man, I got too much of a checkered pass, (laughs) brother. I got, I, politics is not for me. I, I know a lot of politicians. I've, I've uh, worked uh, campaigns for a lot of politicians, but uh, me being a politician, nope. I'll leave the politics and, the, <laughs> and all of that to folks like uh, uh, our good friend, Demetra Katai, who's a wonderful judge, love her dearly. We'll leave that to people like Derek Green, who's a big time city councilman at, uh, at City Hall in Philadelphia. These are two great inroads alumni and doing it big time. Um, but I'll leave the politics to those, those guys. All
0: I know, people come to Villa, Philadelphia, they don't have to go to the convention center or to the, the visitor center. They go on your Facebook page and they'll see entertainers, they'll see TV personalities, they'll see athletes, they'll see <laughs> you with the kids that you poured into all your life. Let, let's, let's take a time out, pause for a second. I'm going to put you on the hot seat. We have a segment in this show that is called the hot seat. What the hot seat is, I will give you a word, and you will have less than two seconds to share the first word that comes to your mind once you hear that word.
2: All right, I'm scared.
0: We don't (laughs) want thinking. We don't want thinking to talk. We want talking to think. I'm just gonna fire him at you. And what comes to your mind? You're on the hot seat. Are you ready? Michael Robinson, pass Let's go brother. for
2: it, man. All right, I'm all right. I'm, I'm ready. Let's go for it. <laughs>
0: First word is punch. Through. Through. This next word, some a little frame of reference, as in Colin Kaepernick, as in that police officer, knee. K-N-E-E.
2: Social justice. Mm, leadership. Mmm, that's a good. Oh man, that's complicated. That uh, <laughs> this one's not a
0: relationship service. Service. <laughs> service.
2: service, service,
0: service, uh, giving back,
2: required,
0: perseverance,
2: persistent,
0: race, equal, covey, leader, Mike Robinson.
2: Not finished. (laughs)
0: Choices. Variety.
2: 2021. Possibilities.
0: Mike Robinson, you are off the hot seat. Shannon, he's off the hot seat. Yes.
1: (laughs) So good, so good. The chat room is lighting up in regards to your real story. Folks were saying they're lost. And how smart you were, in how you approached to not be in that predicament again. Um, you know, people are just saying, you know, he's a great guy. So grateful to have this man in my inner circle. I'm blessed to call him friends. Um, other folks are agreeing that they got skeletons in their closets too. <laughs> 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 um, one of the things you had mentioned was that is that Dr. James has been the one to kind of. Propel you into public speaking. How has public speaking helped you on the pulpit?
2: Oh, um, oh. now, Sharon, you go, you, you, you. That's probably a, a the most profound question asked thus far because a lot of people may not realize this about me, but I am an extreme introvert. An extreme mm-hmm. introvert. I'm very private. I, I like keep it to myself. My wife hates it. When we're when they come downstairs, my wife and kids are downstairs, I'll interact with them and then I'm upset.
0: As, as, as you're sharing this answer, I think we got a picture of your wife and children, but yep. you can continue. And,
2: you can continue. Um, when I was growing up, company would come over the house and I would interact for a little while and then I would go to my room or, or leave the house. I, I'm an extreme introvert and, and I recharge by having Private time by having that downtime, that me time. Um, But I like people like Jim. I like people like Stephen Covey. I like people who are charismatic, who are smart, who are able to command a group. You know, I look at Michelle Obama. I look at uh, former President Barack Obama. I look at charismatic people like that who are extremely bright and they're not they're not um they're not lofty they're not condescending um they're they're very down to earth but they're brilliant people and they 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 just possess a charisma um the greek word charismatos they 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 have this charisma where they 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 are attractive because of that, and so as a shy person growing up, as an introvert growing up, when I would see individuals like that, I I, I admired them. That's why growing up I admired people like Georgie Woods, who was like the most popular ready oh, with the good back in my day. Um, other other than Georgie Woods, I would dare say there was a guy named Dr. Perry Johnson on WDAS, who was a nationally known radio personality. Now he called himself a doctor, but eventually became a real life psychologist. And he had charisma. And I was always attracted to these kinds of people that were bright and charismatic. And as a shy kid, I was like, I had aspirations to be like that, but never had the toolbox Mm. to put it together until I was in an upward bound, until I was in my fraternity Kappa Alpha Psi, until I was in grad school and undergrad experiences, you know, where I was in organizations that helped me carry out that more outward side of Mike Robinson. And and my lesson or my tip to people that are listening to this broadcast today is, you may be naturally a introverted person, but you have to learn how to at some point turn the volume of your extrovert nature up because in life that's required. And a lot of people would never know that by nature, I am a serious. And when I, and I'm not over-exaggerating, I am an extreme introvert, but I know how to turn the volume down on that to turn the volume up on my extrovert nature. But it's because of, People like Jim, who I count as a mentor, because if not for him, I would have never gotten into the public speaking realm. Never.
0: That's awesome. Shannon, that's great question. Thank you for that. Uh, Mike, I've known you for over 30 years and I did not know that, but I do know you have a love for movies. So movies are sit down, be quiet time. So I guess that's when your introversion kicks in.
2: Man, I love, look, I love me some movies. I'll go to a movie by myself in a minute. My wife's not a big movie buff. Um, Like tomorrow, every birthday, I'll be 60 tomorrow. Tomorrow's my birthday.
0: Well, time out, time out, time out. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. (laughs) <laughs> I would go on, but people will probably uh, disconnect <laughs> or try to mute my mic from afar. <laughs>
2: Somewhere, Stevie Wonder is cringing.
0: <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. But you were talking but, about your wife and movies.
2: But but every she's not a movie buff. So I always go to the movies most often alone, unless it's a family movie where we all go as a family and we and we'll go watch like as a family. We've watched all every single Marvel superhero movie that came out. We always you know, when as a family to watch those. But I say that to say this, I always treat myself to a movie on my birthday. So I always go to a movie theater and I always watch a movie on my birthday. That's like my birthday ritual. But um, that's, that's one of my ways of decompressing and relaxing and a way for me to kind of just unwind. I've probably seen literally hundreds of movies over my lifetime. I go to movies frequently because of the pandemic, obviously, you know, we had to slow our roll on that, Um, but I was still trying to keep up with some of the movies on on the live stream stuff, but man, I'm a huge movie buff, man, and I love all genres of movies.
0: This is a segment that we call the mini keynote, M-I-N-I, the mini keynote, where we give our guests an opportunity to give us a keynote. And since you are a speaker, <laughs> you are a pastor, and you are an educator, usually we give 30 seconds, but we're gonna double that today. We're gonna give you <laughs> 60 seconds and we want you to bring it. We want you to use our FISH model where the I stands for I the listener, I F, I feel what you're saying. I gotta take
2: my coat off of this
0: Thank brother. all. I, I feel what you're saying. <laughs> I see what you're saying and I hear what you're saying. And the hearing is not the volume. It's not the volume, it's a deeper level of understanding because Mike, I'm sure at some point you've been in discussion with somebody and they said, oh, you don't hear me. You don't hear me, they're not not talking (laughs) volume, they're talking understanding. So you're gonna have 60 seconds, Mike Robinson, to encourage us, to enlighten us. You talked about fear and stagnation and perseverance. And how critical it is today to do that we're gonna pull up mic check mic check that's the mic check (laughs) mic check 60 seconds keynote mike robinson the mic is yours
2: eva Rikersmith, smith she's an organizational psychologist she gives us eight points to help us to develop a greater character and greater um muscle mental muscle for perseverance she says repeat your efforts all of us have best practices so capitalize on the things that you do well she says change your strategy if you've done something and it didn't go well flip the script and do something different try something different a new strategy she says thirdly model someone successful whether that's someone you personally know or admire from afar but model their best practices Fourthly, she says capitalize on momentum. If you're moving forward, if you're doing something great and you're making great strides, keep that energy going. She says also rest and start again. It's important for those of us that are successful to have some downtime so that we can recharge the batteries to move forward more powerfully and more impactfully. She says six on her list is to look at the big picture. Sometimes we focus on the little things and the problems. She says, keep focus on the big picture so that you never lose sight of what's motivating you to go forward. And then she says, reward yourself. Always take time to inspire and to reward yourself. And for me, that's going to the movies and taking myself out to a nice restaurant. And then lastly, number eight, she says, be optimistic. No matter what you're going through, Always hold on to optimism. Woo, 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 woo.
0: That, was that, was that was hot. 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 Shannon, did you get all eight points? Did you get all eight? Did you get all eight?
1: <laughs> Again. I will be in Sunday service. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, I don't know this introvert business he's talking about, but you know, <laughs> you're a man of God. It ain't right to lie. Let me see the chat room. Let's see. Somebody else is agreeing. I've never known the introverted side of Mike. Oh, happy birthday, Reverend Mike. Hope you have an extraordinary <laughs> birthday. Oh, but you know, and and people are saying awesome. But my girl Sherelle wants to know if your life was a movie, what would it be titled?
2: Wow.
0: Radio silence. Mm, let's see.
2: The Making of a Saint. We stop the, the making, making of a, of a saint.
1: Okay. saint. The
0: Making of a Saint.
1: Yes. Good
0: stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. That,
2: I, would be, I, that, that would you, be man. my movie type. And there's a lot with that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank you for uh, being your authentic self. Thank you, man. You always are. 30 years of friendship and every time I'm around you, you plus me, whether you know it or not. And you did a phenomenal job. You you shared your your heart. You shared your gory stories and your glory stories. Mm -hmm. You you kept it a hundred. And I'm sure the folks who are watching and the folks who will be listening to the podcast in the near future will change as well. So thank you for, for bringing it, Shannon. The plane is about the land. Before we do that, I wanna remind people that we will be doing our next Dr. James Bootcamp, February 23rd, 24th, and 25th. The 23rd is an evening session and the 24th and 25th are both day sessions. And at the bootcamp, we, we basically pour into you the way Mike did. and the focus is on presentation skills, leadership, presence, uh, presenting virtually, How do I show up from a distance? We're looking forward to it. It'll be our first time doing it virtually. But again, Mike, wow, bro, you brought it. I hope you bring in 60, the way you brought in every other year you've been around. I love you. Thank you for being in my life. I'm blessed to have you in my life. Shannon, co-pilot, we did it again, another successful flight. And for those of you who are out there, come back next week Bring a friend, no, bring a a couple of friends. Bring your posse. Because this is what we do on the Dr. James show. We bring on people like Mike Robertson. And it's our goal to take you to beyond the next level. With that said, see you next week. And you've just been gym packed Take care.